Thanks for listening to My My Pate Sports. You can get us on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, or most of the places you listen. You can follow us on Instagram at MyMyPateSports underscore. Hope you enjoy the episode, and here is the greatest team theme song of all time. Welcome back to My Fate Sports. Thanks for hopping on. I know it sucks doing podcasts after a loss, but we got to do it. We got Justin with us today. He runs an Instagram page covering the Chargers and the Clippers. Justin, why don't you tell us about uh, kind of your history as a Chargers fan and talk about your Instagram page. I became a Chargers fan very recently, only during the 2019-20 season. And that's because, well, I wasn't really invested in football as a whole until a couple of years ago when I started watching more games, when I started to truly, you know, appreciate um, the sport in general. And I pretty much became kind of addicted to it. I can't lie. Um, yeah. I became a Chargers fan because, well, as you said in your intro, I'm also a Clippers fan um, for basketball. So I thought, you know, why not support two LA teams very similar in history, you know, in background mm-hmm. and just overall their identity, I suppose, you know, they're not really um, liked in LA. They're kind of the underdogs, in right. other words, to keep it brief. Um, and I became a Chargers fan because of that, because we're the underdogs and because, you know, a lot of people um, kind of made fun of the fan base and how, you know, we don't really have a lot of representation, in other words. So I thought, you know, but I'll become a fan. Um, and oh, here I am today. And uh, yeah, we little, little known fact the Clippers also used to be in San Diego. I'm sure you know that, but uh, yeah, yeah that both, too. both have a history of being in San Diego and bouncing back and forth between LA and SD. So very cool. And why'd you start the Instagram page? You just liked covering the teams and you kind of built up a good following here. Um, yeah, that reason, of course. And also, uh, I actually started this Instagram page during the start of the pandemic when it was getting, when it was kind of at its bad point because I was just really bored. Um, (laughs) I needed stuff to do. You know, I had to keep myself preoccupied. And then I thought to myself, you know, I like watching the Clippers and I like the Chargers, but I never really had a place where I could talk about it. Like I didn't really have people to talk about it with. Right. And being on Instagram and, you know, having a social media account on there, I thought, why not just start my own page? And, you know, uh, where I can share my thoughts on the Clippers, on the Chargers, post my own content mm-hmm. and, you know, build up a following. And um, I built up a pretty good following over the past one or two years that I've had this uh, account and it's been really great. Uh, yeah. running it. I followed you for a while and I enjoy it because uh I'm not a Lakers fan being from, I'm, I grew up in Huntington beach, but um, I'm a Celtics fan actually. But if I were to pick Lakers or, or Clippers, I'd go Clippers for sure. Um, oh yeah. <laughs> I like, I like Kawhi, you know, I love Lou Williams and going back, you know, good history with the Clippers, not so much success, but 
I really wasn't. Yeah. A Kobe. I, w- I wasn't a Kobe fan, so I, I went Celtics instead of Clippers mostly. Right, right. Um, but let's talk some Chargers here. Uh, the Pro Bowl announcements came out today, mm-hmm. and Chargers have six players on the team. Um, yep. There's three teams that have seven Pro Bowlers. I think it was Seahawks, Packers, and Chiefs have seven Pro Bowlers, and then a couple other teams have six. We have six. So we got right. just, Justin Herbert's a starter. Corey Lindsley, Rashawn Slater, both starters. Um, Keenan Allen is not a starter, but he made the team. And then on defense, we got Derwin James, Joey Bosa. We did have a couple snubs on the team, and I commented on the uh, Chargers announcement that, uh, you know, how yeah. could Austin Eckler not be a pro bowler? Like, right, this season right. has been unreal. Um, it has, Sure. And, and that comment I put out there, it's got like a couple hundred likes on it. It's been this huge discussion going on all day um, mm-hmm. since they posted it. What have been your thoughts on it? And maybe why do you think he got snubbed or he's probably going to make it as an injury reserve if like Nick Chubb can't go, but what are your thoughts on it? Um, personally, I was pretty bummed that he didn't make the Pro Bowl, uh, you know, especially with uh, Derrick Henry being injured yeah. lately. I thought, you know, that would open up a spot possibly for Act to make it in. You know, I already knew that, that Jonathan Taylor was going to get a spot because, well, he's been really insane this year. Same with Chubb, you know, it's Nick Chubb. So, of course, but um, Eckler, I was kind of surprised, kind of disappointed as well that he didn't make it mm-hmm. because he's been very good this season, uh, just all around pretty much carried our run game this entire season that's for sure um it's an all-around great on the ground great through the air of course and right. um, just a fantastic you know safety blanket for herbert to rely on and he's constantly you know come up clutch for us so many times this season um so it was very sad to hear that he didn't make it um personally i do believe he should have made it over mixon even though mixon no disrespect to him he's been uh, having a really good season as well. But I just feel like what Eckler provides both in the receiving game and on the ground and how, you know, he's come in so clutch for our offense. I just think that his value probably should have landed him a spot instead of Mixon, but that's just my opinion. Mm-hmm. Um, not saying that Mixon doesn't deserve a spot because he does, but um, I don't know. I just feel like Eck was really snubbed. I think he should have made it as the third slot for running backs personally. Yeah. So Mixon has 14 total touchdowns on the year, 12 on the ground and two through the air. Eckler mm-hmm. has 17 t- total touchdowns, 10 on the ground and seven through the air. Um, total receptions. Eckler has 62. Mixon has 29. Total rushing yards, uh, I think this is what made the difference. Uh, Mixon has 1094, and Eckler has 789. So a few more games, Eckler will probably, you know, pass over 1,000 yards on the season. Um, But Mixon does, you know, have more rushing yards and a couple more rushing touchdowns. So I guess when you're looking at, you know, running back stats and you just filter the stats out for running backs, you know, Mixon would land above Eckler. But when you take in the account of the all, all-purpose yards, the receptions, the receiving touchdowns, like Eckler is, I thought should have been the second running back under Jonathan Taylor, who I think deserves to be first. And, you know, probably, you know, top three or four MVP candidate right now. Um, so I was definitely surprised with Eckler not making it in. 
And a lot of guys on the comments that, you know, we were in the discussion with earlier today, a lot of them were saying like, well, you can't really take into account all purpose yards. It's, it's for running backs. And I was like, well, Debo Samuel made the pro bowl and that guy's stats are all over the place. Um, he's, mm-hmm. he's got, you know, rushing touchdowns, a ton of rushing yards. Um, Eckler has more receptions than Debo Samuel and more receiving touchdowns and more rushing right. yards. Yeah. Um, so it's interesting. I know they're in different conferences, so you can't compare one against the other, but if we're talking about all purpose yards and, you know, do it all guys, Debo and Eckler are two of the best in the league at it. And I think both deserve to be in the pro bowl. I think probably what will happen is Nick Chubb probably won't participate due to injury. He's been banged up a little bit lately. Mm-hmm. And Eckler will probably yeah. get in. Um, or, you know, if, you know, hopefully we're going to the Super Bowl, but if maybe the Colts are um, or the Bengals are, unlikely, but then we could get Eckler in that way. The other guy that was snubbed on our team that some people have some comments about is Kazir White. Kazir's had an awesome year. He's 11th in the league in total tackles right now. Um, I just don't think he has the name recognition yet to get in over those other guys. But were you surprised that Kazir didn't make it or was that kind of expected for you? I'm not surprised, um, although I do get why people were uh, a little bit upset about that because he has been having a fantastic year. Like, I'm not going to lie. Uh, he's probably been our best linebacker. Oh, I'm yeah. keeping it real. Like, yeah. definitely. You know, you just you see the impact he's had, the growth he's had from last year to this year. And just overall, he's been absolutely balling for our defense. Brandon Staley's really unlocked his potential and he's just going to keep getting better. And, you know, stats are insane as well. Um, did he deserve a Pro Bowl nod? Uh, no, personally, yeah. I don't think so. Yes, he's had a great, fantastic year, but I also have to take into consideration, you know, the names. And also, well, this is probably the first season where he's really broken out and been right. like this great and really, you know, solidified himself as uh, one of our, like, as our best linebacker this season specifically. Mm-hmm. So I get it. You know, I don't think he was snubbed per se. He did deserve a mention, though. I do get why people were, why I do, why some people would be upset. But personally, I still think he's a really good player, but Pro Bowl worthy, probably not to that level this season. Yeah, but maybe in the future he very well could get there. You never know. Yeah, I think this year is going to be a great building block for him. Like if he has another season similar next year that he did this year, that's probably a pretty good lock for the Pro Bowl because now it's like, all right, this guy's been doing this. We should, you know, recognize his, um, you know, stats and his accomplishments. Where if, like you said, this is the first year where he's really put up these kind of numbers, um, it's probably a good year for him to kind of start to get recognized. And then next year, if he does it again, probably get the Pro Bowl nod then. Um, I agree with you there. He didn't come to mind for me immediately. I wasn't like, hey, where's Kaiser White? <laughs> you know, but um, when I saw that people had mentioned it, that he was, you know, one of the snubs, I was like, oh, yeah, he's had a good year, but not quite there yet. Um, cool. So I love it. You know, Chargers have a good history of getting a lot of guys in the Pro Bowl. Um, we have a good history of, you know, drafting well and, you know, developing good talent um, and keeping our talent around. So it's been good. Um, we'd like to see it develop into some championships, though as we can all agree. Um, NFL COVID tracker. This is a really interesting, uh, on the CBS site, they have a tracker of all the teams that have, you know, all their COVID players listed. It is crazy right now. There's over 150 players on the COVID list. Um, 
and they've changed some protocols on testing and things like that and how fast guys can come back. And I knew it was going to be coming for my fantasy team at some point, and it got me. And this week's looking a little shaky because I have Eckler in almost every league. Um, so our, our COVID list right now is Austin Eckler, Jalen Guyton, Joe Gaziano, Chase Daniel, Joey Bosa, Tavon Campbell, Keeman Hall, Corey Lindsley, Trey Marshall, Andre Roberts, and Chris Rump the second. Oh, boy. Uh, we have one of the longer COVID lists in the league. Uh, the Jets have a pretty long one. Washington football team is pretty long. They got some quarterbacks out. Kansas City also. A lot of those guys are out. And uh, the Texans have a ton of guys out as well. And the Browns. Um, with the Texans list, some notable ones. Kaimi Fairbairn, their kicker, is on the list. Brandon Cooks. Those are kind of the big ones. So, It'll be interesting to see which guys are able to play and which guys aren't. Most of them won't be able to play for sure. Not both said because we know he's not vaccinated. Um, Eckler, I, I believe, is and you know should have a chance to come back. We'll see, um, but it's not looking likely right now. What have been your thoughts as you know the COVID news has come out today and yesterday? Uh, I think it's it's really sucked, uh, especially now that we're coming down to the home stretch of our regular season. Yeah. And we're still trying to make our playoff push. You know, we haven't officially clinched anything yet. So we're still in the mix. We're still trying to win as many games as possible. And this definitely puts a big dent into that. Um, very unfortunate timing, but sometimes that's just how it is. Um, sad thing. It just happened to us at probably the worst moment, but. Right. You know, well, I do not think... the worst last week would have been the worst moment if this all happened before oh, the Kansas City game. Yeah, that would have been. <laughs> we are we are playing the Texans. So, you know, it's anyone's game any week. Any team can beat anybody. But as long as we got Herbert and Derwin James out there and Keenan, I feel pretty good <laughs> about our right. odds. Um, Eckler is a big part of our offense, a big part of our team and a big, a big part of a lot of people's fantasy teams, which, you know, uh-huh. is, a, is a major concern for uh his activity this week. Um, yeah, it, it is not a good time, but the odds of someone being on the COVID list twice are pretty slim. Um, so maybe this is a good week to get it all out of the way. And, you know, they're changing the protocol. So maybe moving forward the next couple of weeks into the playoffs, hopefully we can stay pretty clean on that stuff. Well, I'm not trying to overlook the Texans or anything. Kind of grateful it happened this week and not the next week after, which we played the Broncos, which uh, we need to win those know, next two games. I'm for pretty sure. worried about that Broncos game and the Raiders game as well, because, you know, those are divisional games. You can go either way. going to be really tough. Both teams are trying to make the playoffs, of course. So yeah. if this COVID stuff happened, then, yeah, I'd be panicking right now. Mm. But given that it's the Texans and – no disrespect to the Texans, but like they're a lesser team, I suppose. Yeah. It's not as bad, in my opinion, anyways. It doesn't like, you know, shouldn't hurt nearly as much, but it still does hurt. Davis Mills is going to be the Texans starting quarterback for the remainder mm-hmm. of the season. So we won't get to see Tyrod versus Justin Herbert, which, you know, would have been mm-hmm. fun, but unfortunate. <laughs> yeah. Uh, um, just looking through our injury report for this week, it's, you know, a long list separate from the COVID stuff. Alohi Gilman's questionable. Derwin James is questionable. Asante Samuel, um, some more participation in practice this week, but still questionable. Um, so Mike Williams, full participation. He should be a go. Linval Joseph is good and healthy. Jared Cook. Um, Parham, I would assume he's going to probably sit out a couple of weeks after that, you know, scary moment. So 
hopefully we can get Asante back. I, I really uh, think he could have made a big difference for us against the Chiefs and some other games. Um, I'd love to have him back as soon as possible. Oh, yeah, definitely. Asante is a really big part of this defense, even as a rookie. Um, we really missed him last week, especially in the secondary when we got shredded by Hill and Kelsey, of course. Yeah. Um, and we had our backups in there, which, well, I mean, that was kind of bound to happen, but yeah, did miss no Asante. Good. Hopefully he's ready to go. But, I mean, if he isn't, then uh, that's okay. We can just you know, be cautious because he is coming off uh, back-to-back concussions. So you don't want to yeah. like rush that or anything, but if he's good to go, that's great. Um, yeah. Get him back in the defense, get him back to form and see what happens from there. Yeah. So let's talk about this chiefs game, try to bury the hatchet on this one. Um, you know, Staley's taking a lot of cr- criticism for his decisions and, you know, he started out the year as like the favorite for, to win coach of the year. And because our fourth down percentage was so high, we we're winning these games going for it. You know, uh, he was looking really good, but you know, as the results have kind of leveled out to where we expected it to be closer to 50%, um, he slipped off and is no longer a candidate for coach of the year. But um, just to talk about analytics for a second, and I know you're a basketball fan as well. Analytics really started in baseball with the whole money ball thing. Um, and it, it works really well in baseball because baseball is very isolated moments between two athletes, you know, pitcher and batter. Um, and you can isolate that moment every single time, every single pitch, and you can play the analytics that way. Basketball analytics are a little bit less used than baseball, but I think the analytics are more useful in basketball because you have those isolated moments where it's this player versus this player in an isolated mm-hmm. setting or you have so many different possessions on basketball that the numbers kind of even out and that they're more reliable to track. Um, Basically, I think the point with analytics is that they're more useful in the more isolated replicable situations where baseball has the most basketball is probably in the middle. Football is not isolated at all. It's not player versus player. Occasionally, you know, you get one-on-one matchups between wide receiver and corner, but there can still be like a safety over the top linebackers going out, things like that. Um, it's just not as useful. And when we talk about, you know, they show the percentages and say when teams go for it in this situation, they have a whatever percent chance of winning the game. I would love to see those be more specific to teams. If you're going for it against the Chiefs in this situation, how does that change your um, results based on if you're going against, you know, the Texans in that same situation? So when you take analytics as the whole league, I don't think it's very effective. But if you say, you know, specifically against this quarterback. And we've heard Staley talk about this in the post-game pressers where he's like, you know, this guy's on the other side of the field. So we got to play it a little different than if we're playing some average quarterback and he's gotten a lot of slander for just relying on the numbers. And I don't think that's accurate because he always talks about the opponent and how you have to play against Mahomes rather than a different quarterback. So I think analytics specific to teams should be more um, involved. And then going back to chiefs week three, we got a lot of praise. Uh, and Staley did specifically for that win because of our fourth down decisions and going for it, you know, after the penalty, pushing it back right. to like a fourth and nine. And then we ended up winning and it was a big guzzy performance and everyone thought Staley was the best coach in the world. And then when it doesn't work, you know, the guys lost the game for us. So uh, what, what have been your thoughts, you know, kind of, you know, letting it sit for a couple of days and letting the steam cool off. Um, what have been your thoughts on our fourth down calls versus the chiefs and, you know, analytics as a whole. Personally, I loved it. In hindsight, we probably should have taken some of those points. Um, maybe 
maybe you could have just not went for it so much. But in my opinion, I think it was the right call in every one of those situations. Well, almost every one of them. And for this reason, and the reason you pointed out before, because they're going against the Chiefs. And the Chiefs are, you know, one of the best teams in the NFL and one of the most quick-striking offenses in the NFL. When you go against a team like that that has so much firepower, you have to, like, play to win and not play to lose, if you know what I mean. So going for it on fourth down so many times, yeah. I mean, maybe there were some situations where we could have kicked the field goal. I mean, I'd agree. We left points on the board, that's for sure. But to me, when I look at it, it's not really Staley's fault per se for making the fourth down calls. It's the execution on the fourth down calls that lost us the game. Personally, I like Staley's decisions to go forward on fourth down because, you know, you can't just settle against the Chiefs. You have to go for the kill. You have to play aggressive. And that's that's exactly what he did. That's how we won in week three. People forget that. And and we did that, but unfortunately, just our players couldn't execute in the red zone. You know, a lot of mistakes. Um, Jared Cook dropping what would have been an easy touchdown pass. Mm-hmm. You know, um, Mike Williams with some drops, Parham with the drop, although that wasn't his fault. You know, that was really yeah. scary injury. I'm not going to blame him for that. Um, Joshua Kelly fumble at the one-yard line. We remember that, right? That, yeah. that was really costly. Um, Could have been... Easy points right there. That shouldn't have happened. We should and have just Sor- done something else. And then the Sorensen play where we ran the same play that we ran to Jared Kirk, except we were targeting Keenan Allen and Sorensen yeah, exactly. bats the ball down. That would have been another easy touchdown. So, yeah, the Parham one, that one's frustrating because that was a clean catch. And he goes down to the ground, and you could argue that even the you know the ground caused the incompletion, uh, mm-hmm. which is tricky with the catch rules changing every year. But um, right. <laughs> So we have that one. And um, – you know, that, I think that was on the first drive where we had the Andre Roberts return that, you know, he should have been able to score on that play. He tripped himself oh, yeah. up. That was a Definitely. Um, So then we have the Parham one, and you mentioned the other ones. The only one where in the moment I said, no, I think this is a bad call. I think we should kick it was the one right before halftime. And that's because yeah. when you go for it on fourth down close to, you know, scoring and you're trying to get in the end zone if it's a fourth and goal, the advantage is two part. Either you get the touchdown, and if you don't get the touchdown, then the other offense is backed up all the way against their own end zone. Where when we mm-hmm. went forward on the last play right before halftime, we eliminate fifty percent of that advantage, and half the advantage right. is gone because there there is no offensive drive to you know respond to that situation. That was the one where I said, "No, we should kick this, go into halftime with you know additional three points on our lead, have the momentum, be feeling good." Where the Chiefs, you know, that I think that was the one where Sorensen knocked it down when Keenan would have scored. Um, mm-hmm. The Chiefs were stoked after that, and they got the momentum going into halftime. And I know that Staley yeah. just wanted even more of an advantage, getting the touchdown and extending the lead even further. But I think that one we should have just taken the points, um, just because that you know half the advantage of if we miss it, the offense is backed up against their own territory. That wasn't applicable in that situation, so I, I would have kicked the field goal there. Yeah, I completely agree with that one. Um, that was probably the one that I uh, kind of was head scratching the most at. Mm-hmm. I mean, I get it. You know, you want to get some points at that point. And we were, um, I know Staley was itching to do that because, you yeah. know, with all those other failed calls 
beforehand, especially in that first drive, very frustrating. But at that point, I would have just said, you know, I just kicked the field goal, go into halftime with some points on the board. Uh, and with recently what happened with the other fourth down calls, I would have just said, you know, what, let's just for this one. I don't think it's a bad thing to just take the three and yeah. go just finish it off, you know. I just get some points on the board, go into the locker room, like you said, with momentum, feeling good. And instead, you know, we went for it and got stopped. And then, well, Chiefs took that momentum with them into halftime. And, well, you know, we saw what happened after that. So, yeah, yeah, I would have just taken the points right there. But other than that, I think he, I think the four down calls were actually very good in my opinion i like them i like the aggressiveness yeah i was good with all the other decisions 100 and one thing I, I do appreciate about staley is that he's very consistent i think you know you should be questioned as a coach when you can't really establish your identity and your flip-flopping decisions and you can't make up your mind what kind of team you are i think that's when you run into problems and when you lose the locker room but not a single mm-hmm. player in that locker room is like questioning staley at all and if you right. were to ask all the players and, you know, some of them mentioned it like Keenan Allen did in his post game, Herbert supported him as well. They all want to go for it all the time. I think probably the only guy that doesn't want to go for it's probably the kicker so that he can, you know, establish himself more in the league and, you know, get an, another contract. He's probably the only guy that's like, ah, oh, let's kick the field goal. Come on. Um, right. All the other players. And we saw this with the Ravens game as well. I'm not sure if you caught that um, against the Packers where they went for it on a two point conversion to win the game on the last play of the game and didn't get it. And you saw the reaction from all the players. And there was a soundbite that got released later where Mark Andrews and Tyler Huntley um, were praising the decision and like, no coach, we want to go for it. And he would ask the players like, Hey, you guys feel good about going for this when we score this touchdown? They're like, yeah, let's go for the two. I don't want to go to overtime. Like let's win it. We can, we can get two yards. And I know that's how our offense feels as well. Um, Herbert's a top talent in the league. So is Austin Eckler. So is Keenan. Mike Williams, our offensive line is great. Like we should be able to convert in most of those. And we have throughout the season. So I do appreciate him staying consistent. And one thing I thought of with the Ravens call and comparing that, I kind of liked that They didn't get that one because it kind of took some of the heat off Staley and put it on Harbaugh a little bit. Some of the uh, analytics attention fourth down calls, especially tied up to the goal line. It's kind of like playing rock, paper, scissors. Either you're going to run it, you're going to play action it, or you're going to throw it. And uh, sometimes if the opponent makes the right call that works against you, you know, if they call paper and you call rock, it just doesn't work. And if it lines up right, then it does. And on that play, specifically with the Ravens, um, it was a double team to Mark Andrews. And so that's that was their defensive call before it even happened. There was a corner on him, and the safety made a beeline for Andrews right when they snapped the ball. And the Ravens called the play to go to Mark Andrews. So rock, paper, scissors, it didn't work. Um, you know, if they called different one, quarterback delayed draw probably would have worked or something like that. But that's kind of how it is. It's tricky, and it, it ends up about average. I think our fourth down conversion rate is still over 50%, which is great. And we got we were two for five in the game on fourth down conversion. So it's not like we went for it five times and missed all five. We got a couple of them that kept us in scoring positions. And I think that Josh Kelly fumble was actually on third down not fourth down. So you take take that. No, a lot of people mentioned that as well. And I I just think it was forgotten, but um, Mm -hmm. you know, I'll keep going for it on fourth down. You know, I think it fortune favors the bold. And I think more times than not, it'll it'll work out for us. And it's worked out for us the majority of the season. And we have a winning record and we have an opportunity to still win the division if things break our way. 
and, you know, most likely make the playoffs as long as we handle our business against Houston. Exactly. You know, um, yeah, I mean, it's, Staley has in, um, pretty much inscribed this aggressive all-in mentality when it comes to this Chargers team. Mm-hmm. And you're seeing it take forward, uh, take place here in the now. And, you know, that's how, and even after the game, he said, that's how we're going to play here. Yep. And I love that because he's changing the culture. You know, I used to hate it when last year uh, I got really mad at how, you know, our coaches would always play it safe, you know, not go for it even though it was very attainable. But Staley has completely gotten rid of that. And I just, I really appreciate that. Personally, I know some people are going to get mad at him and criticize him. And yeah, I do think some criticism is definitely warranted fair criticism, of course. But, yeah. you know, at the end of the day, he he's just doing anything it takes to win the football game. Mm-hmm. And can't blame him for that. Yeah, so I just checked our third down conversion rate on the seasons at 45%. Our fourth down conversion rate is 57.7%. We're 15 for 26, 15 conversions on 26 attempts. So, you know, the majority of the time, and I think another thing with our mentality that we know we're going to go for it a lot on fourth down is that on third down, we can use that as an extra down where we don't have to get the first down every time where we can pick up half Mm -hmm. the yardage. And I think they even play it, you know, that way, knowing, hey, we're going to go for it. So let's just pick up half. So fourth down's easier that's probably why our fourth down conversion rate is higher than our third down. So it's interesting, but um, yeah, it, I mean, it's a tough loss, but you can tell how big of a game it was for both teams because of Mahomes reaction at the end of the game when, you know, they realized that they were going to win. He was freaking out. Like it was a <laughs> big time playoff game or a super bowl. He was losing it. And I think that that you know, tells us something about our team where we're not just some, you know, walkover team. It's a big deal. Even if, you know, the defending AFC championship team feels that good about beating us in a regular season game. Exactly. I mean, we pushed them to the brink. We, we very well could have won that game and, and swept them. We would have been like two and zero against them right now. Yeah. Um, and we should have won it. And it's unfortunate we didn't, but still at the end of the day, we got them to sweat. They know we're a threat. You know right. what I mean? And uh, I just think that's great. And, you know, seeing Mahomes celebrate, that pretty much uh, emphasizes that right there because he was just, oh, man, he was celebrating like it was a Super Bowl or playoff. Yeah, and then we go to overtime. Then we go to overtime, and I hate it. You know, I hate losing the coin toss in overtime because, you know, the NFL in general favors offense. So whoever Mm -hmm. wins wins the coin toss has like a 65% chance of winning. Um, getting the touchdown on the first drive. And, you know, I'm honestly more scared of Tyreek Hill and Travis Kelsey than I am of Mahomes. I think Mahomes makes a lot of dumb mistakes sometimes. And we saw on their fourth down play at the goal line where he just chucked that ball in the dirt. And, uh, you know, he'll make some, you know, gunslinger mistakes here and there. Travis Kelsey and Tyreek Hill scare the heck out of me, especially when Derwin James is out. And we we all saw the numbers of when Derwin James was in versus Kelsey and when he was out it's a nine day difference and they recognize that they know that. And our team knows it as well. If we had Derwin, the majority of that game, there's no way Kelsey's making that play in overtime. Um, And a couple of the other plays down the stretch. So Derwin being out was a big difference maker in that. And Tyree kill is just, you know, scary down the field, especially against our backup corners. Like you mentioned earlier, it's not ideal. Um, What I, what I bank on and I banked on this as a kid, you know, growing up as a chargers fan, I would say once Tom Brady and Peyton Manning retire, 
then Philip Rivers is going to win a ring. And it turns out that Tom Brady outlived Rivers and is, you know, still winning. Um, but I, I do think, you know, obviously Herbert is going to outlive Tyreek Hill and Travis Kelsey. Um, and without them, you know, the Chiefs are going to have a, a time period in their run here where Mahomes is going to get really expensive. They're not going to have the money to, uh, you know, fill the rest of their roster with as elite talent. And the Chargers can kind of slip into that role and find a sweet spot where hopefully our championship winner can open up before we have to start paying Herbert big time money. Yeah, definitely. Um, a very good point about Mahomes, by the way. You know, uh, not a lot of people, well, I'm not sure if a lot of people agree with me on this, but Mahomes this season, personally, I, I he's not better than Justin Herbert this season, in my opinion. Justin Herbert is definitely a better quarterback, not only statistically, but even, you know, performance in the games. I can just see it. You know, I'm not sure mm-hmm. what's going on with Mahomes this season specifically, but it just doesn't seem the same. And even during that game, like you said, we didn't lose to Mahomes. Mahomes didn't beat us. It was Travis Kelsey and, you know, uh, Tyreek Hill and also us not converting on all those fourth downs. Mahomes was probably the last thing that I was worried about, to be honest right. with you, because no, I agree. he made just so many blunders in that game. Like, I'm just being honest and yep. looked very human. And Justin Herbert, I just thought was the better quarterback. And yeah. currently right now, I think he's the better quarterback. I don't think no that's doubt. I don't think that's crazy of a take. And you know, Herbert was voted the Pro Bowl starter for quarterbacks mm-hmm. in the AFC over Mahomes. So uh, that uh, backs up your point as well. But I agree. Looking ahead through the playoff picture, it's pretty tight right now in the AFC. There's so many teams that are, you know, eight and six, seven and seven. There's like six different teams. Um, the Chiefs are at the top of it right now, but they could slip back down just as easily. Our next Three games, we have Houston, then Denver, then Raiders. Um, how do you like our odds going forward? And do you think we're going to win three out of three, two out of three, one out of three? What do you think our you know, end of season record is going to be? I think the next three games are very winnable. Um, personally, I have us going 3-0 and because I just believe in this team that much, you know, especially seeing what we've done this season so far and, you know, how we've played our opponents. Um, I think – now that we're really coming down to the end of our regular season, we're going to, you know, focus up, uh, dust off that loss and just continue, just keep on winning because I do genuinely believe that we are a better team than all three of the opponents we face in the next three weeks. And we should be more than good enough to secure a playoff spot, win all three and, uh, you know, finish second in our division, of course, and go into the playoffs with, you know, a lot of confidence, a lot of energy. And uh, just overall, I have a lot of I'm, – I'm very confident, in other words, in our team right now. I think 3-0 and is extremely attainable, and that's what I'm going to stand by. Mm-hmm. I agree with you. I think best-case scenario is that the Raiders lose their next couple games. That way their Week 18 game is meaningless for them, and, you know, they won't be that in- incentivized to try to win that game. Um, that way that last week can be an easy win for us and increase our, our standings in the AFC. Um, the top seed might be out of reach. The Chiefs would have to lose um, two out of their next three or would they have to lose two or three games? They're 10 and six or 10 and uh, five. So I think they would have to lose either two or three and we would have to win out, um, which is probably unlikely. They'll probably, you know, still win the division, but um, 
one thing I, I have recognized is that our road record is better than our home record and our home field advantage, to be honest, isn't that great. So maybe going on the road field playoffs won't be too bad for us. Yeah, may, maybe it won't, you know. Um, and like I said, I do believe in this team uh, against anybody. I, I think we can beat anybody. You what know, teams What it. teams scare you in the AFC? If we were to match up first round against what teams, you know, give you the most troubles? Uh, in the wild card right now, well, personally, the Patriots, uh, mm. always the Patriots pretty much, regardless of the year or the season, they always tend to own us. Um, I don't think we've been the Patriots since like 2000 or like probably, probably even more than that. But we, I talked about this a couple weeks ago on the podcast. We beat them in 2008 when Tom Brady was out and uh, Matt Castle oh. was the quarterback. Um, oh, yeah. Shoot. That was the one when we've that. had before that. It was like 2000 ish, somewhere between oh, okay. 2000 and 2004, um, because Philip Rivers never beat Tom Brady. So I don't like oh, to bring yeah. that up. Right, right. I think, you know, the Patriots are the team I, I would fear the most. And honestly, the Colts with Jonathan Taylor and our, you know, run defense hasn't been that great. And if Derwin James is banged up in the playoffs, I don't like that. Um, mm-hmm. Those are the two teams that honestly scare me the, mo- the most. Walking out of that Chiefs game, I don't view them as a superior team to us. I've, I view them as equals, and I think they view us as equals. And like we were talking about earlier with Mahomes' reaction, it really showed that where if, if he viewed us as a lesser team, he wouldn't get that excited for a win. Um, so I, I'm not that scared of the Chiefs, especially in the playoffs. I'd welcome that matchup again, and I hope we do see them again. Um, and I'd like it to be an arrowhead because, you know, we've had better luck there the last few years. Yeah, definitely. Um, I agree. Uh, I'm not as scared of the Chiefs because I just think, you know, the way, way we played them this season and just our overall team, our matchups against them – We've uh, we legitimately could be two and zero right now. We could have swept them yeah. if we converted those fourth downs. Um, like I said before, I just think we're we're on the same tier as them, and they view us as the same. You know, especially after their reactions to that game, and especially with uh, Tyron Matthews' little tweet he put out about how we got a bright future, something like that. Mm-hmm. Anyways, so. You know, they recognize us clearly as threats, and yep. we are. And I'm pretty confident that we can beat them, of course, yeah. um, in the playoffs. And that would be so sweet doing it at Arrowhead with all the Chiefs fans. It's just, it's just a great feeling, you know, whenever we go to Arrowhead, we dethrone the Chiefs. Like in 2018, when we did when we did that with Rivers, and, and this Ravens, season, yeah. of course, was great. Just an awesome feeling, and... We, we can experience that again. Like if we make it past the wild card and see the Chiefs, very likely I think it will happen. <laughs> yep. Yep. Our playoff run, it's looking like right now that it could be, you know, the Titans or the Ravens first round or maybe the Colts. And then it could be Chiefs or Patriots. And then AFC Championship could be Patriots or Chiefs. Um, so we'll, we're going to get another matchup against them most likely if, if uh, we get to where we want to go. Um, but Justin, hey, I appreciate you so much being on. You can find Justin at lacsports.coverage on Instagram. A great account that covers the Clippers and the Chargers, pretty 50-50. Good mix of basketball and football, which I I appreciate. Yeah, thank you so much for having me, man. It was really fun talking Chargers football with you. All right, big game this week. Got to secure this win amidst all the the COVID cases going on right now. Over 150 cases in the league. Come on.
quit quit testing these guys. We're fine. Let's just keep it rolling. Right, right. Yeah, just All keep right. it rolling, man. <laughs> All right. Hey, Justin, have a good night. Appreciate it. You do. Have a good night, man. All right. Penny Stock Picks Week 16. Getting towards the end here. I'm doing a three-leg parlay, putting all 10 bucks on it. Packers minus seven at Browns. Feel pretty good about the Packers. They've been awesome. Don't feel too good about the Browns. They've been shaky and up and down. Um, I like the Packers to uh, win by touchdown or more in that game. Um, This one was tough. Ravens plus two and a half or Bengals minus two and a half. It's in Cincinnati. Um, Hopefully Lamar's back. If not, Tyler Huntley's put on a show against the Packers. I think they can make that game close. Big game for the division. I'm going Ravens in this one. I I like the Ravens plus two and a half there in Cincy. And then last one of it, Colts plus one and a half in Arizona against the Cardinals. Um, Been really impressed with the Colts. Great defense. Great run game, obviously. Carson Wentz isn't doing too much to uh, mess it up there. And the Cardinals have kind of showed why uh, no one really believed in them. I think the Cardinals, you know, have a a playoff game to lose before they can be taken seriously and as a real threat. And I think the Colts are the real deal trying to lock up their playoff spot. I think this game means a lot more to the Colts and their organization that does the Arizona. I like the Colts plus one and a half. Uh, I think they can win that game in Arizona. So 10 bucks on those three to win 59-36. Week 15 wasn't too good to me. Lost all of it there. But still, plus 138 on the season, doing 10 bucks a week. Packers minus seven, Ravens plus two and a half, and Colts plus one and a half. Lock it in. Thanks for listening to My Wife Hate Sports. You can get us on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, or most other places you listen. Also follow us on Instagram at Sports underscore. Have a good week. Go Chargers.